This morning, we've been doing our series this year on why questions. We've been asking why. So today, we're asking why obey? Now, obedience is something that's meaningful to me right now because I'm a parent of young children. So if you're a parent of young children or teenagers too, or if you have, it, if you have been before, then you'll understand um, that I often think sometimes cry out in frustration, sometimes I just Google, how do I get my kids to do what I want? <laughs> you know, probably nearly two years ago now, I found this book that's called How to Get Little Kids to Listen. There's, there's another one called How to Get Kids to Listen for sort of older kids. This one's for sort of toddler, preschool age. And it was actually quite helpful and it had some positive and often playful and fun ways that we could engage our kids so that they will choose to do what it is that we, we need them to do or that they need to do. It was the beginning of a bit of a journey I'm still on to discover more about how our kids' brains work, um, how our brains work, and how we can teach them, nurture them, and disciple them through connection and strong relationship. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that sounds really nice and everything. I'm not perfect, um, <laughs> and I mess up regularly. But anyway, in thinking about that and learning about our children and helping them to um, obey and learning about how that works, it's actually brought about some new understanding for me um, about obedience to God and why we obey him when we do and why we should obey him and what that looks like. So I've got two weeks to talk to you about why obey and today we're just firstly going to explore the meaning of the word obey and what that looks like in the context of our relationship with God and how it's actually tied to our relationship with him and our faith in him. And next week might dive a little bit deeper into some, some things and learn about you know, what, what comes out of our obedience as well. So Eli, my youngest, um, he's one and a half almost and he's quite strong-willed. He seems to be at a bit of a um, shall we say, screeching phase right now. He's been through them before and it stopped and he's doing it again lately when there's something he wants or he's taken away from something that he wants or he doesn't want to lie down on the change table to have his nappy changed or whatever. It's some high-pitched squeals and screeches and not happy ones um, to, to let us know that he doesn't want this or there is something else that he wants. Because from, from quite a young age, we actually learn that we have a will. And boy, do we want to enact our will. Eli just wants to play with water all the time lately as well. So anytime he's in the bathroom, near the bathroom uh, or in the kitchen, near the kitchen sink, he lets you know, often with some squealing, sometimes it's just, uh, 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 um, that he wants that tap running and he could stand there all day if you let him just filling up cups, tipping it out, having a great time. But this makes it especially hard when that water playtime has to end because... Then there's the screeching. It doesn't last long, but, you know, this is normal. You know, we learn, hey, I want things, and I can assert myself and ask for those things. And it starts before we even have the words to say so. Now, our job as parents is not to squash that will and bend it to our own. I wish it was. I wish that's what we were supposed to do. But actually, it's to teach them how to learn about God's will. And let him shape their will to his. How do we do that? Well, often it's in letting God shape our will to his. Being an example actually teaches our kids so much. Anyway, I'm, I'm not here for parenting tips today, but that's my life right now. So a lot of this is going to relate uh, back to parenting life. 
Because we can be so focused on getting our children to obey us that we forget that we're actually there to model our obedience to God. And sometimes in the battle of wills with our kids, we're actually not being obedient to God either. We're just trying to get what we want, which is exactly what our kids are trying to do to us too. So for non-parents out there, I'm sorry, but you still get it, right? We all have a will. We have things that we want. And we as adults actually have a bit more of ability to make them happen. So it can be a bit less frustrating than it is for kids. But sometimes we're asked to do something that isn't what we wanted to do. So what makes us more likely to do that thing or obey somebody? Why do we obey God? Or if you don't, why do people who do obey God obey God? So the Hebrew word used in the Old Testament that's translated to obey is shema. And it's also translated and often just used separately to also mean listen or hear. It can also mean to put focus on, to pay attention to, but it does also mean to respond to what you hear. But there's no separate word in the Hebrew that just means like do as you're told, obey, kind of obey. Um, So it's the same word that means to listen. Um, So in Hebrew, listening and doing are two sides of the same coin. In the Greek, in the New Testament, there's a word that has a similar meaning that's used for obey, meaning to listen to or to hearken to. And so biblical obedience means to hear, to trust, submit and surrender to God and his word. It's interesting, I think, that obedience actually has so much to do with listening because Parents out there, how often do you say to your kids, you're not listening to me? And I once heard it said that we shouldn't say that to our kids because that's not really what we mean. We don't mean listen. We're not talking about hearing. When we say listening, we mean you're not doing what I say. But I actually think it makes a lot of sense to say you're not listening because obedience is actually so tied into listening. So when we say you're not listening to our kids, and you know maybe sometimes we could word it differently, but we mean you're not hearing what I'm saying, taking it on board, thinking about it, and responding accordingly. <laughs> We're not going to say that though, are we? So that's why we say listening, like we get it. <laughs> but why would they, our kids, listen when honestly sometimes the things that we're asking are selfish and they're about our own will and our desire for control? Their desire to listen and respond the way that they need comes about through a trusting relationship. And our kids, sometimes they don't trust that we're asking them to do something that's best for them. Because sometimes we're not. (laughs) Sometimes we just want them to do something because we just do. Now, that's not always true. We, you know, most parents are looking out for what's best for their kids or for others. Um, But, you know, sometimes it also just takes time for them to build that trust. So it's, you know, it's very normal for a young child to not have, have really understood that yet and understand that you're asking something that is actually what's best for them in the long run. They might not be able to see it now. They don't have the same bigger picture that we do. But God, God is always looking out for what's best, for his bigger picture. And when we get to know him... We begin to trust him and have faith in him. We learn that he knows best. So when he says do this, well, we know that that's going to be a good thing to do. As parents, when we ask our kids to obey, as I said, you know, sometimes we're asking them to do things that are just for us, for our sake, because we want it that way. It's normal. We all have a will. 
But when God asks us to obey him, it's because he knows it's good for us, for his children. And we might not always be able to see that. But we need to take that example because our children obeying us is not meant to be a battle of wills. It should be for their own good. It will be a battle of wills sometimes even when it is for their own good. But there's a valuable lesson to be learned um, for our children, I mean. that When we're asking them to do something... should just be not because I just want it that way right now because I just feel that way but there should (laughs) and it will be sometimes like don't get me wrong I do that all the time but but if but often there's there's a value with God and with us it should be that there's actually a valuable lesson to be learned there for our kids now I'm not saying you can't ask your kids ever to just do something because you just want it because sometimes saying no to turning the hose on in the backyard and spraying everything with water is not, you don't want them to do that because you know you're tired and you won't cope and you're with the mess and you'll end up getting frustrated and yelling at them. I'm just talking hypothetically. <laughs> but so then asking them not to, it is actually for their own good, for everyone's good that you say no because you know that it's going to, you know, go, go downhill. But on another occasion, maybe, you know, even though you don't like the water and the mess, do you think you can handle it for the sake of their fun times, for some lessons that they can learn in that and you, you can allow it? It's a nuanced thing, it, it often, but it often takes taking a step back, assessing ourselves, our motive, what they want versus what they need, what we want versus what we need and making a decision. Parenting's not easy. But my point is, because I promise I'm not just trying to give parenting advice here, is that I've noticed how this works in parenting and how that actually corresponds with how God works. So when our kids learn that we've got their best interests at heart and not just our own agenda, that's going to be faith and it's going to lead to greater obedience from them. So through, this, through my parenting and also through um, reading through Romans recently, I've learned that obedience is not just a standalone decision. It's a response to and a result of our faith in God. Romans 12:13 says, For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It's obeying the law that makes us right in his sight. So just listening, just hearing, having the sound waves go into your ears, doesn't make us right. But obeying, so obeying as listening, trusting, submitting to God and responding in action, it does. And that this is the kind of obedience that's actually impossible without faith. So therefore, being made right with God lies in faith too, not just by obeying out of a place of just doing the thing. I think I've shared this story here before, but there was one night when I had to put James and Eli to bed at the same time. Brendan was out for whatever reason and had to do both of them, which can get tricky because one of them can get out of his bed. (laughs) So um, I, I got James settled into bed first and, you know, spent enough time with him that he'd hopefully feel like, you know, I wasn't just leaving him and, you know, he felt loved and whatever. Not whatever, but, you know, <laughs> oh, I love your children. No, like, <laughs> I, I, spent, I spent the time with him and read a book and all of that to get, got him settled and said, I've got to go take Eli to bed now and went off with him and I don't know how long it was, but you hear this, you know, noise coming up to the door, door opens, James had come in and I was like, okay, this is going to keep happening, isn't it? Like sometimes you just know he's just not feeling like staying in the bed and this is going to not go well if he just keeps coming out of bed. Eli's not going to, he doesn't want to go to sleep. His brother walks in the room and he's like, oh, yeah, great. Um, so I said, to, I, I ended up just 
saying to James, if you can stay in bed and not get up, I'll buy you ice cream tomorrow. (laughs) Is that bad parenting? No. Is it ideal parenting? No, (laughs) not quite. (laughs) But yes, because yes, I got, he did it. He stayed in his bed. I got the obedient action that I wanted. He did the thing that I wanted him to do. But did I have his heart? No, ice cream did. (laughs) Ice cream had his heart. Romans 2.29 says, A true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. Romans 3:22 to 25 says, "We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ." And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace makes us freely right in his sight, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. So people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. And the sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. God seeks our heart through mercy and grace, not through demands for obedience. And when we learn to trust the heart of our Heavenly Father, obedience flows naturally from our hearts. Have you ever asked your kids to do something, parents, and they've asked, why? And you're like, because I said so. Why do we do that? Because we just want to exert our authority because we want them, maybe we just want to exert our authority. We just want them to do the thing, right? And that's, of course. But sometimes it's not always as, what's the word? It's not always like that, though. Sometimes we just want them to trust us. We want them to do it because then it means... We know that they're trusting that when we say that we want them to do that, that it's a good thing. If there's anyone who should be able to say, do it because I said so, it's God. (laughs) But what he would really mean is, because I love you, I know what's best. I see the bigger picture and you can trust me, so why wouldn't you do what I've said? God just doesn't want obedience because he wants us to do what he said. He wants obedience because it's an outward action that shows a heart full of faith in him. Obedience is about the heart change. God wants our heart more than he wants our obedience because he knows that when he has our heart, we will be obedient. Romans 3.31 says, Well then, if we emphasize faith, does that mean we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Romans 4.13-15 says, Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary, and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid, to avoid breaking the law is have no law to break. It's interesting in Romans 7 and 8, um, you know, Paul is... Paul's quite strong on many things, um, but he's also very strong on grace. And in Romans 7, he almost has this little diversion in the whole of Romans, and he talks about how much he fails, how he tries to live right. He wants to do the right thing, 
He knows the law and knows it's good, but he still does what's wrong because sin has taken over. But then come Romans 8, he shares, but we have Jesus and his life-giving power that frees us from what he talks about in Romans 7, frees us from the sin that, that takes hold of us and leads us to do what's wrong and to not obey. You know, he's not writing to the Jews and Gentiles telling them, oh, come on, for goodness sake, just do what you're supposed to do, obey God. <laughs> he's bringing a beautiful revelation that as we are, we can't. Sin takes over in all of us and we just fail at being obedient to God and he gets it. He does it too. But by God's grace and the power of his spirit, we can do God's will. So how does that look? How do we outwork this? We get to know God. We build a relationship with him. We get to know him and his will. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. So faith comes by hearing, and part of obedience is listening. So let's start there. First we hear, we listen, we have faith, and then we action, we respond. So hearing the word of God, we read the word, we pray. This is how we get to know God and who he is. This is how we listen and build faith and trust in him. If you're reading the Bible and it doesn't bring about a response of obedience, then are you really listening? Are you hearkening, paying attention, allowing his word and allowing him to get into your heart? We don't have to try, then try really hard to obey because then obedience just makes sense. Imagine you needed a car to move. I mean, we always need a car to move. But like, let's just say the car's on the side of the road, you want to move it. So you take off the brake, the, the handbrake, and you move to the back of the car and you start to push. The ground's level, you've been doing your squats, then it will move slowly with a lot of effort, but it will move. Well, there's a much easier way to move the car, right? <laughs> it has an engine. So why not put the key in the ignition, your foot on the accelerator and let the engine do the work? That'd be a lot easier. The same with your obedience. You have an engine, the Holy Spirit. You put the key in the ignition. Pray for more of his work in your heart. You accelerate. You ponder the truth of God's word. And he will change your heart and empower your obedience. So we've got a will. God's got a will. And his will is greater than ours. And when we know him and who he is and what his will is through our relationship with him and hearing his word... That builds our faith. And our faith is outworked in our obedience to God. Because when we truly listen to the one who loves us, we are transformed. Our heart changed. And the reasonable response is to do what he says. God seeks out, I said this before, I'm going to say it again. God seeks our heart through mercy and grace, not through demands for obedience. And when we learn to trust the heart of our Heavenly Father, obedience flows naturally from our hearts. So next week, I want to explore um, this a bit further and, and look at what happens when we do obey the promises of God in that. Perhaps look at some areas where we're asked for obedience and, and why we would obey those things. But before I finish today, I just want to extend an invitation to you. If you're here and you don't know God and you're not in a relationship with him, you don't know Jesus as your redeemer, 
Can I ask everybody to close their eyes so we're not distracted? Maybe you just need to search your heart for a moment. You want to, maybe you want to decide today that you want to make a decision to be part of God's plan. If you're online, just take a moment as well. If you've never made that decision to believe in Jesus and ask Him into your heart before, or maybe you've done it before, maybe some time ago, but you know you've walked away, that you haven't been in a relationship with God. We're going to pray in a moment. And if you pray that for the first time today or a recommitment today, then we want to support you in that decision. If you're online, you can click the raise hand button. Someone will pray with you. If you're here, then come and speak to me or someone after the service. There'll be people up here praying. And we can help you begin that journey. But let's pray today. Thank you, God. You can repeat it after me. Thank you, God, for your son, Jesus, that he died in my place, took the punishment for my failures. I'm sorry, Lord, for those failures. Sorry for my sin. Sorry for trying to make myself good enough. Please forgive me of my sins. Give me a new spirit. And begin your work of transformation in me. Amen.